thanks so much for tuning in to the Leesburg Daily and Monday and Wednesday Friday podcast where we dive into scriptures, study it together, and we apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And um, it's, a, it, it's a nice little passage. In fact, it's one of the first passages I think I remembered as a, uh, that I memorized as a young man. I was new to the church, young in the church, young in the faith. And uh, my youth minister encouraged me to uh, to, uh, to uh, memorize this passage, um, and it has stuck with me over the years, and has come back uh, several times throughout my life. And so, here's what I'd like to do: I'd like to read it today in its entirety, and then come back and talk through it. It's First Timothy chapter four, uh, beginning in verse eleven. Paul writes, "Prescribe and teach these things." Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself to be an example to those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the vein on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them, so that your process will be evident. I'm sorry, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserving these things, for as you do, this will ensure salvation both for you and for those who hear you. Let's look back and see what Paul was writing. In this section, it's really as if. Paul's writing to Timothy himself, no longer uh, to the church, uh, to be, uh, to be um, heard and understood by the mom. This, is, this seems to be much more directed specifically toward Timothy than the rest of them. Prescribe and teach these things, he says. Well, what things? Well, part of that is what he's already mentioned about, about being um, disciplined in our conduct, spiritual discipline. That's what we spoke about in verses, chapter 4, 1 through 10. But he also looks forward to these next few verses here, as these things to prescribe and to teach. Verse 12, as a young man, this was a very, and still a a powerful passage. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. The reference to Timothy's youthfulness has has led many others to believe that Timothy was a young man, um, uh, a very young man, and it could be so. However, the usage of the word there uh, could indicate any age up to 40 years old. Now, if we think about that for a second, that might make sense. Um, We were speaking yesterday in staff, and we were talking about uh, somehow it came up as um, politics, and... uh, there's a push to lower the voting age to 16. Holy cow, that's a terrible idea. I've never met a 16-year-old, but I thought it was smart. I was 16 once. I shouldn't have been voting for sure. In fact, if anything, we should probably raise the voting age to 25. Um, and maybe higher than that. Um, Paul tells Timothy here, he says, Don't let anyone, let anyone look down on you because of your youthfulness. And it could be that he was anywhere under 40 years old. Think about the, the example that Timothy is, uh, the position that he's in. Timothy is pastoring a church that was planted by 
His elders, they are probably considerably older than he is. These elders were certainly of mature years, and they had for a time served under the leadership of the veteran missionary Paul. And now here comes this young man. I get this very well. I understand this. It's, this, this screams to me. I understand exactly. I, I, I think you would too. Timothy is, is stuck in a tough place. The, the possibility of people saying, this is my man, wait until you get some time under your belt, you'll understand things more. Um, that, that could rise to happen. And Paul says, don't let anyone look down you because of your youthfulness, but rather, in speech and in conduct, those are both the uh, two uh, outside appearance things. Those are for the uh, world to see. In speech and in conduct, speech and how you live, they apply to Timothy's public life. The other three are I'm much more concerned with inner qualities, love, faith, and purity, but still have a public manifestation. This is instead, don't let anyone look down you because of youth, but rather in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity, show yourself as an example of those who believe. Show yourself as, as an example. You know, I, I, I've heard a lot of bad um, application before of Scripture. In a previous ministry, I, by God's grace, it didn't work out as planned, but uh, I had been on track to be the, the next lead pastor of the church. And, and through a long story, but certain events, I, I, I was told that I wanted to be the, the, the next lead pastor of that church. Um, and I was given three reasons why I wanted to be the next lead pastor. Reason number one was that I was a young man with no lead ministry experience. Number two was that I had a young family and my family needed me at home. And reason number three was that I wasn't a well-polished speaker. Um, all three of those reasons um, validated, while not fully at the time, looking back, absolutely good, but validated that that wasn't the right place for me. But, but think about what's being said there. When you're a young man, you have the experience, you have a young family, and they need your home life. The implication is that the ministry will take you away from your family. And then third, you're not a well-polished speaker. And looking at the gentleman that was telling us, I said, if we believe this book that we claim we believe, then those three reasons are refuted rather quickly. Paul, as Paul would say to Timothy, I felt it being said to me, don't let anyone down you because of your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, show yourself an example, as an example to those who believe. He continues in verse 13, this is until I come to give attention to public reading of scripture. See, at this point in history, the public reading of scripture was very important. The, the Christians had continued their synagogue practices, going to the temple and reading the in this uh, usage we're talking about the Old Testament um, Old Testament uh, uh, scripture uh, it was important for public reading 
it's, it's, it's not everyone had it and I've had more input. And this is such an important thing for us to understand even now. We are blessed people to have multiple Bibles at our disposal. Multiple free Bibles. I mean, consider how many people in the world who still don't have a Bible, over 2,000 people groups today still don't have a Bible in their native tongue. And yet we do. Do we take that for granted? Certainly. Do we read as we should? Do we study as we should? It's very available, almost to the point that we dismiss it. Paul says, until I can give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching, you got to be in this word. He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance and laying out of hands by the presbytery. This, this utterance has already been discussed in chapter 1, verse 18, I believe it was. Um, this laying out of hands, of course, is the time where, where spiritual gifts, uh, active spiritual gifts, were much more prevalent in the church's way of proofs and examples. Um, but... Ultimately, what Paul says is don't neglect your calling. You were called to such a thing. You, you, you were called to such a thing, so don't take it for granted. Don't, don't neglect it. As so many, sadly, so many ministers do. Here's the thing. Either they're called to ministry and they neglect that call, or they were never called to ministry and aspired for it. Both are incredibly dangerous. Both are incredibly dangerous, not only for them, but for others. If you're called to the ministry, don't neglect that. But if you're not called to the ministry, don't force that either. Here he says you were definitely called, and this is made known from the spiritual bestowment given only through the, and you were as as a pastor. Verse 15 says, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so your progress will be evident to all. Don't be lazy in your ministry, don't be lazy in your pursuing of Christ. Take great pains, be absorbed in them. Make there be no question about what you're about. In verse 16, pay, pay close attention to, uh, to yourself and to your teaching. Pay close attention to yourself. Pay close attention to yourself. I mean, again, don't neglect your ministry. You, you, you gotta be diligent, as I just said. Be absorbed with these things. Be diligent. Pay close attention to yourself. You know, Christian ministry's progress is a journey that's under public observation. And for that reason, it demands the most careful thought things to ensure that uh, what most impresses other people is his true Christian development. He says, give, give, pay close attention to yourself, keep a, a strict eye on yourself, watch your life. You're more on your spir spiritual life. It's, it's important, it's indispensable to, to good doctrinal 
orthodoxy. It's it's how you live your teachings. So keep a good eye on yourself. Keep them continually in mind. Watch yourself. Don't make excuses for life. So often, you're in ministry as well. Maybe specifically in ministry. There seems to be a bridge between what we believe and what we teach, and that's why we have so many pastors who, who, who fall into, in, into trouble. They have uh, growing good ministries, but, but they fall into some type of temptation or adultery or fear. And you think, well, how did that happen? How are you preaching and teaching on a regular basis and then living this double life, well, they're not keeping a close eye on themselves. They allow themselves to make excuses. I've, I've, I've talked to some of those guys. They'll make excuses for why they deserve this or that. They don't keep a close eye on themselves. For as you do this, as you keep a close eye on yourself and your teaching, As you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourself and for those who hear you. So now there's a there's a double reason, a double uh, reason as to why you should do these things. A, a double purpose. He'll not only be working out his own salvation, and that is in, in the sense of Philippians chapter two, verse twelve. The apostles, therefore, the beloved, as you've always ob- obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Be, be, be diligent, be uh, disciplined in your life and your study. But not only will be working out your own salvation, but also assisting others to do the same. The danger of neglecting your own salvation is greater in the Christian ministry than in others. Why? Well, because often when, when a Christian minister fails and walks away from the faith, others follow. Others put a, a false hope in the pastor. Paul himself could fear he became a castaway for preaching to others and First Corinthians chapter 9, if you remember that, go back and read that. Paul said, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. So, so he said, Paul says to Timothy, this younger man, probably under 40, you know, I, I mean, I, I was talking with Sammy yesterday about this. I really do believe that. You really, in ministry, you really don't get a good grip on who you are, what ministry looks like for you and how you're created until you're probably 30, 32. I mean, in the past several years that I've really gotten a, a good, solid understanding of who I am, my gifts, and my skills, and my abilities, and what God's called me for and to. I'm starting to enter that sweet spot in, in in my life, I think, holy cow, the grace of God kept me from being a senior pastor in a previous church. Truthfully, it was an act of grace.
loneliness from my family, or possibly even from my church. Process the Christian minister, watch your faith, watch your conduct, watch your life. In the paraphrase version, because others are watching. And while you can't save other people, others will look to you as an example. And so many women listening to this, as we end the weekend into the weekend, I would encourage you to look at your life, look at your conduct. Are you setting an example in your household? For your spouse, for your kids? You know, the sad truth is we're all setting examples. The question is, what type of an example am I setting? Setting. Am I setting an example of, of one who, who seeks after the Lord? Or am I setting an example of one who is self-obsessed, or sports-obsessed. You know, children see me worshiping God, or do they see me worshiping the television, or my car, or my job? What type of an example am I setting? That might be a good note to end on this week. Join us again next week as we pick up in Chapter 5. God bless. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Lindsberg Daily.